Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. give him the words to speak and just direct him as he begins to preach and just allow him to be a vessel of however you want to move and um, choose to um, bring forth this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What a morning. Amen. Well, this morning, um, you know, coming off 36 hours of incense, uh, my head was telling me that uh, I should probably um, talk about prayer or incense or all this uh, symbolism of prayer rising up to heaven and, and what all that means and what prayer is and how to engage in prayer and that kind of stuff. But that's not at all where the Lord was taking me this week. And uh, for the life of me, I couldn't kind of make the connection until this morning. Um, and so I, I hopefully at the end of this, you will see what I saw and how the message this morning and the songs this morning were all connected and God is calling us into that real encounter. He's calling us into that face-to-face. He's calling us into that intimate relationship. And that, that the, the ways of old, the things that you might have done years ago and been involved in, and all those great things that happened years ago are not going to be what sustains you in this season. Those are great things, and you need to remember those, and we need to learn from the past. But there's, there's opportunity and time to move forward. The Lord is not interested in doing something once and leaving it be, but he is a living, uh, uh, moving uh, force in the universe that is constantly pushing his kingdom forward. And so we're going to talk about fig trees this morning. So if you'll turn to Mark chapter 11, starting in verse number 12. I want to unfold this for you. It is a, an interesting piece of text. And if, uh, if your Bible has the sections highlighted, you will see that it is the fig tree withered or something to that effect. Um, and this one caught my eye this week because it was a, a very interesting scripture where Jesus actually curses the tree. Jesus is not known in any other scripture to curse something or have like a negative miracle. Um, this is something where, where, where Jesus, you know, withered this tree, where Jesus is known as the healer and the redeemer and the restorer, the healer of the blind, the opener of the deaf ears. And here you have Jesus curses and kills this tree. And so it, it draws a stark contrast to the character and nature of Jesus. And as I, as I dug into this, um, it is without doubt one of the more confusing texts in the Bible. And people will read it and they'll question, what, what am I supposed to get out of this? And what, what is Jesus doing? This seems out of character. It seems out of his nature. And I want to unpack that for you this morning. So if you will, if you're in Mark chapter 11, if you'll stand with me, let's read the word together here. Now I'm reading out of the New King James which I know is not what I usually read. But, you know, I started there, so I just stuck with it. All right, if you got Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 12, say, I got it. All right, awesome. Starting in verse 12, it says, Now the next day, 
when they had come out, of, out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not seasoned for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Dropping down to verse 20. Now in the morning, this is the next morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Heavenly Father, as we get into this text this morning, Lord, I pray that I can deliver this in the way that you have unpacked it to me. Father, that I can show your grace and your glory through this text. And Lord, I ask that you would reach into every heart that's listening here this morning or who might listen to this on the recording, Lord, that you would soften it, that you would make room for the seed to be received, and may you nurture it and grow it and bring a harvest from it. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's an interesting text here that we see this fig tree withered, and it's an unusual thing for Jesus to do, and it's unusual for a number of reasons. And one of the things that really stood out to me was that the disciples heard him say it. He didn't say it to the disciples. He wasn't making a show of it, but it almost implies that they overheard him, that they saw him speak to the tree and maybe heard just, you know, the smallest bit of what he said. But it was enough to put this together to know that he had cursed this tree. And so, so it's interesting to me that, that he didn't make a show of it, and yet it's this, this kind of subtlety and, and, if you will, kind of eavesdropping that the disciples were doing that we get an opportunity to look into. And so the man who, who is the restorer and the healer is now also the cursor and the killer. And such a stark contrast to his nature and character. And I'm sure if you were a disciple and you were walking with him, surely you've seen amazing things. And this is yet another amazing thing, but even at that, it seems out of character for him to take life instead of give life. And so again, this is the only negative miracle that Jesus, that we find of Jesus in the text. And it's also interesting, too, that it almost makes an excuse for the tree. Because back in... Um, Verse 13, it says, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not seasoned for figs, and yet he cursed it. That seems unjust. So to, to understand this, it takes a little digging. And the Lord just had me in this this week, and I just couldn't let it go. And uh, I've been told a number of times, including this week, that I need to get out of my own way sometimes, because, you know, I, I'm... By nature, I am, um, I, don't, I can't tell you the Enneagrams or none of them, but, but I know on, on the uh, Insights Discovery, if any of y'all do that at work, I'm a blue, which means I like details. And so when you call or send me a message and it's something short and you say like something's broken, that's not enough for me, okay? What's broken? How did it break? When did it break? Are you wanting me to fix it, right? Or are you just letting me know, right? 
And so I, I, I like to dig into the details of this. And so, so immediately, to me, this was just intriguing. And I thought, no, Lord, Lord, we need to focus. It, it's been a week of prayer. It's been a week of praise. It's been a week of, of raising that incense to heaven. And I read in Revelations about these bowls. And this is the most beautiful thing about prayers is that they are collected. They are collected. And there will be an appointed time when the angels will take them to the throne and release them again. And we can read in, in, in David, he says, Lord, let my prayers be as an incense to your nostrils. And so David has this belief, and I believe it too, that as we release them, that the Lord receives them and says, oh, yes, more. I like that. Let's save that, right? It smells like pumpkin spice. Let's, let's get some more of that, right? Some of y'all are like, yeah, and some of you are like, uh, no. So I want to understand more about the fig tree. And so the keys to unpacking this is we have to understand about the nature of the fig tree. And we have to understand what is this in season and out of season they're referring to. And then we have to dig into what this curse or judgment really means. And so fig trees. So fig trees are mentioned throughout the Bible. Matter of fact, they're the first tree mentioned in the Bible that we can recognize. They're mentioned as Adam and Eve who have tasted the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil then try to cover themselves with fig leaves. And so they're, they're the first tree mentioned in the Bible. And I think there's something even maybe symbolic about them trying to cover and hide behind the leaves that, get, that comes out in this text as well. And I'll explain it in a minute. But they're the first tree that's mentioned in the Bible that we can recognize. And figs throughout the Bible are a symbol of prosperity, they're a symbol of peace, they're a symbol of God's good grace on you, his, his covering, his protection, the safety that he provides. And if we look at, at Deuteronomy 8-7, it says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Now you have to remember they're in the wilderness at this time. He's bringing them into a good land. So what defines a good land? Well, let me tell you. It's a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. So of like the top seven things that define a good land, fig trees make the list. And so the, the fig trees are, are one of those things that, that symbolizes God's provision and how he, he provides for his people. 1 Kings 4.25, under Solomon's rule, there was a great period of peace and safety and stability in the land of Israel. And so in verse 25 of 1 Kings 4, it says, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and under his fig tree. Now, that symbol of, of a man being underneath a fig tree I think this is important because you have to remember the land that they came out of. They came out of the land of Egypt where they were slaves and worked in the sand and the sun to build bricks and all these things. And yes, they were in the land of Goshen at, at, a, at a time, but they came out of slavery and they came out of slavery into a land of aridness. If you look at the land that they quote unquote wandered through, I don't like that word anymore. That's for another day. 
But, but they went into a land that is largely open prairie. There's, there's some scrub uh, trees and some low cover, but there's not big shade trees. And so for a wandering people who celebrate every year coming out of slavery, sitting casually underneath a shade tree is a bit of a euphoria. It's a bit of a paradise. And so this is the image of the fig tree, is that figs represent this provision and safety that God is providing, and a cover from the harsh sun, and a place for you to rest and recover and relax under God's provision. Okay? Is that pretty clear? So, so that's, that's the fig tree. The fig tree also symbolizes the blessing on the nation. Okay? So, so the prophets, and I'll read from Jeremiah in a minute, but this is also repeated in Joel, Habakkuk, and Haggai. All use the same symbology here that I'll pull an example from Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 13. When the people rebel against God, and God begins to remove his hand of blessing on them, this, this is how it's described in Jeremiah. Verse 13, it says, I will surely consume them, says the Lord. No grape shall be on the vine, no figs on their fig tree, and no leaf, and the leaf shall fade, meaning that their shade is missing. And so when he removes his hand of blessing over the people, it is seen in the fig tree. And so you can already see in the scripture in Mark that him cursing this fig tree is a symbol of, of the cursing, the removal of the blessing on the people of Israel. And this has happened time and time again. And surely for the disciples that are standing there, they must see this, and especially as the tree withers, they must see this as a warning. They must see this as a sign that something is wrong in the land of Israel. And so the fig trees represent the judgment of God and the removal of his hand and covering and blessing. So, Figs represent both the favor and the blessing of the Lord on people. And then the absence of that, it also represents the judgment on the people. Okay? So now let's talk about the in-season and the out-of-season. And of course, we go back to the obvious question about why would Jesus curse something out-of-season? Why, why would he take something that, that is completely unexpected and, and shouldn't be there and say it is cursed because it isn't there. If anything, it almost seems more natural that, that if it shouldn't be there, right, like a young woman might not should be on the corner late at night, up to no good. We, we might not should be looking at things on our computers late at night. We not, might not need to have that attitude with people. It seems like the Lord would come against those things, but this is almost a bit of an opposite. And so it's intriguing here that, that he looks at it and he says, I expected there to be fruit here, and there's not. And so you have to look at the nature of a fig tree to really understand this. And so fig trees, like much of the fruit trees around here, generally have an annual harvest that comes in the late summer and early fall. And these are the sweetest figs of the year, the sweetest of, of what the fig will provide. But... Figs also have what they call a Braba fig. And Nate's got a, a picture of it here. Maybe it's up there. No, it's not. Have you shown any of the pictures? All right, let's, 
Show the Breba fig. We'll go back and look at another one in a minute. But the, the Breba fig is figs that grow with the first leaves of the season. Nope, go to the other one. There you go. So this little, you can see the little fruit coming off here. And I picked this one because you can see the tree is largely barren. And so the scripture tells us that seeing it from afar off and seeing it in leaf, they went to find this fruit on the tree. Now, the interesting thing about this Breba fig is that it's off of the old growth of the tree. Now, if you go to the other picture, Nate, that you pulled up the first time, these are, are what would be the annual fruit. And you can see all these are growing off the green shoots that are growing this year. And so, so there's this expectation that it's not time for the sweetest figs of the year, but being in a land filled with figs as they were provided, they knew that early in the season that they would see these Breba figs on the tree. And so they went to the tree expecting that there would be fruit. And so the idea that it's out of season is that it's, it's not in this new growth season, but they're looking for that growth off of the old wood that would come in the spring. As the, as the leaves begin to first come out, this fruit is also growing. And so they went expecting to find this fruit. Now, this fruit is not the sweetest fruit. It is edible. It tastes like fig, from what I understand. I haven't had them. Who knows? Any fig fans in the room? A few? Okay. Anyone had a Breba fig? No? Nothing? Okay. I also found there's like, I don't know, 50 different kinds of figs, too. There's a lot. Um, you know, it's one of those things after we moved up here. Sorry, I just complete aside here. But, you know, we went and we thought we would, like, plant tomatoes. And then you, you like, get the seed catalog, and you're like, I had no idea. And figs are the same way. There's so many different kinds of figs. And while I'm completely off topic here, the, the, the fig leaves, there, there's one fig leaf, and I can't remember what it's called now, it's not important, but there's one fig leaf whose leaves are like 20 inches long. They're huge. Anyway, and they're not growing in Eden, so imagine what they would look like if they were. All right, back to the text before I completely lose you. So the Breba figs. So Jesus seeing the... The tree, out of season, it's not, it's not late summer, this is in the spring. Now, now remember, he is in and out of Bethany, in and out of Jerusalem. This is, this is the, the um, Passover week. This is like day two of Passover. The day before was the triumphant entry. Okay? So he's, he's gone back out of Jerusalem after that, those events, and now he's coming in on the second day, and that's when he sees this fig tree. And so this is in the spring, and so he sees a tree in full leaf, expects to find this Breba fruit on the tree, and gets over there, and of course it has nothing. And so he curses it when he can't find any fruit growing on the old growth that should be there. And so again, the figs, Prosperity, represent prosperity or judgment. The Breba figs, the old growth figs that were absent from the tree. And then the third piece is the curse. So 
So what, what was he cursing exactly? Isn't it clear? Not yet? Yeah, I wasn't sure about it either. But the answer is found in the scriptures surrounding this. So if we look back at, at Mark 15 through 19, and we look at what happens here. Does anyone have that title over that section in their Bible? Does anyone know what happened there? Jesus cleanses the temple. Is it becoming clear yet? If the fig trees represent the spiritual health of the nation of Israel, Jesus goes into the temple where the religious establishment, the old growth of the kingdom, was operating. And what did he find? Did he find men with their hearts dedicated towards the Lord? Did he find any fruit amongst the old growth? He didn't. He turned over the tables. And again, he has one of these out-of-character moments that you look at and you can understand his disappointment. You can understand his aggravation. You can understand how the people have the religious establishment, the people who should be leading the nation of Israel, the people that, that should be the, the heartbeat, if you will, of the Lord, are instead exchanging money unfairly. And they've, they've got this practice of you can come in and now you can you know, buy your sacrifice there in the temple at, at, at huge markups. And it no longer is a place of justice. It's no longer a place of peace. It's no longer a place of honoring the Lord, but it's a place of selfishness and deceit. And so much like the fig tree that he went to expecting to find fruit, expecting to see the old growth that was still producing fruit, and instead he walks into the temple and he sees no fruit. And so the cursing of the tree represents the cursing of the nation of Israel in this moment. Because much like he was expecting to find fruit on the tree, and it was barren, the fruit in the temple was barren as well. So what does it mean for us today? Jesus looks at the religious establishment of that day, the ones that he called brood of vipers, the ones that he chased out of the temple, and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so the old growth that's there has no fruit. And there's a theme. If you look at, if you look at the fig tree and you look at the expectation for fruit to grow on the old growth, and if you look in the, the other scriptures and it talks about the, the grapes and the pruning, it talks about old growth in those scriptures. And while there's some fruit that may come off of old growth, the Bible is consistent and true in that new growth, new fruit comes off of new growth. And so I look at that and I try to apply that to my life and I think about, about where I'm at today and am I growing? Or am I, or, am I, or am I looking at that old growth? Am I looking at stuff that has come in the past or am I continuing to grow? 
And where is the fruit in my life coming from? Am I sitting back waiting for this brave of fruit to come off of the, the old growth? Or am I digging into the word? Am I, am I pressing in in prayer? Am I looking at all those areas that the Lord is growing my, my heart and my spirit and my life and my ministry? And is that where my fruit is coming from? So let's see what Jesus has to say. Look down, Mark 11, verse 22. And so Peter, in verse 21, it says, Remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the tree that you cursed has withered away. And I find it interesting what Jesus says. And again, without the context, without digging into this, without seeing all the symbolism in here, this can sound a little odd. But Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. What was he saying there? He was saying the old religious establishment is fruitless. There is a new establishment. There is a period of new growth. There is a period of new fruit that is going to come through faith. It's not going to come through religious rituals. It's not going to come through following rules and regulations. It's not going to come through sacrifice of animals, but it is going to come through faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes on those things, he says it will be done, and he will have whatever he says. You see right here, there, there is almost a foreshadowing of what Jesus is about to do as he enters into this Passion Week, in that he is removing the old establishment. He is removing the establishment of living up to the rules and standards that have been in the Torah and been a part of their civilization for years. And he has seen that corrupted by the establishment. He has seen that taken advantage of. And he has seen that it is fruitless. And he says to them, have faith. Have it in your heart. Have it with your whole heart. And so Jesus is cursing the established Jewish community. He's just cursing the, 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 the established, old growth, religious mindset that existed at the time. And he is proclaiming symbolically that there is going to be new growth in a new season. And that new season is going to come through faith. So there's a, an interesting bit, and I won't read it all, but it comes out of Jeremiah 24. Jeremiah the prophet has this vision, and he sees two baskets of figs. And again, knowing that, that that symbolizes kind of the health, the spiritual health of Israel, makes this a little more clear. And the Lord asks him what, what he sees in this vision. He says, one basket had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very bad figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. In Jeremiah 24, down in verse 5, the Lord says, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah. And I find this interesting because I believe he's talking about the nation of Israel, and this might be their last captivity before they return. And have the same period where Jesus comes in and marks the end of it. And he says, whom I have sent out of this place for their own good. He sent them into captivity for their own good. 
Isn't that interesting? He says, for I will set my eyes on them for good and I will bring them back to this land and I will build them and I will build them and not put them down and I will plant them and not pluck them up. He says in verse seven, then I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God and they shall return to me with their whole heart. And so the good fig in this represents the nation of Israel who is going after God with their whole heart. And fast forward a couple hundred years, Jesus comes in and he looks at the fig tree and he finds no fruit. And I believe what he's saying in this, in this text here is, is that that old growth can wither away. That old growth can become fruitless. And we've got to pursue seasons of growth. We've got to pursue seasons of, of letting our roots go deep into the word, deep into his presence, deep into his spirit. Let the water of righteousness, the rain of righteousness, saturate our souls so that we have new growth and it brings new fruit. In verse 8 it says, Likewise, and as the bad figs which cannot be eaten, so will I give up Zedekiah, the king of Judah, his princes, the residue of Jerusalem, who remain in this land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt, and I'll deliver them to trouble into all the kingdoms of the earth for their harm. It's one thing to acknowledge God in his grace, in his goodness, and his provision. But we also have to acknowledge that, that there it comes a season when that old growth. Lucas, if you'll come, y'all stand with me. That old growth in our life is no longer going to sustain fruit. There, there is a need and a requirement in our lives that we constantly pursue new growth. And I'll tell you one of the things that, that, that when we started this, one of the things that was heavy on my heart that, that I just want to just battle against and, and keep bringing attention to and keep raising it up before you is that, is that the, the image of, of, of someone sitting on the altar or, or sitting in the pew and, and they have been in that same place year after year dealing with the same thing over and over again and they have become like the old growth where there's no fruit, there's no uh, life running through the, the, their veins. They're content to come and sit, but they're not receiving. They're not receiving the, the, the rain of righteousness. They're not receiving the living water. Their, their roots are no longer going down into fertile soil where they can pick up the word of the Lord, eat the bread of life, and have it bring new life to them. So this morning, I started the day thinking, Lord, how is this going to tie into 36 hours of incense? How, how is this message about the figs and the judgment and the blessing and, and all, how does this tie in? 
And it's going to seem like such a coming out of left field. Here it is, this message in, in basically Passover week. And so I'm asking the Lord, what? How, how does this work? What is this going to do? And then we sang this song about not being satisfied with lukewarm church, not playing church. I want a real encounter. I want to feel that living water poured out upon me. And I want to see it across everyone's life. I want to have that face-to-face encounter. I want to meet someone whose face is aglow because they've been with the Lord. And you may not be there. And I get it. It takes time. You've got to get comfortable with these things, whatever. But if you're not looking for the Lord to move in your life, you won't see him. How many of y'all have had the experience, like you got your eye on a car, right? And you're like, oh, that's really cool, you know? It'll be unique, and I like it, right? And then as soon as you get it, like everyone has one. You see them everywhere. White vans, yeah, everyone's got a white van. So funny. I believe, and I firmly believe, that if we will set our heart on something and we will set our eye towards something and we begin to look for something, that we will begin to see it. And the inverse is also true, that if you don't train your eye to look for things, that you're also not going to see it. And that can be for good or for bad. If you're looking for trouble, you'll probably find it. If you're looking for the goodness of the Lord, you'll probably find it. So what's the status of your tree this morning? Are your roots digging getting down to fresh soil? Are they getting down to a fertile soil? And are you drawing on that life? Are you putting that in? Are you growing from it this morning? Are you resting in the peace and safety? Are you sitting underneath the shade tree and the Lord has you covered? Or if we were to look carefully underneath the leaves, would we be disappointed in what we find? I know everyone's at a little bit different place and you can apply that to your life in many different areas and different ways. But what I want to encourage you this morning is to pursue that new growth. And some of you may be in a season of growth. Fantastic. Share it with someone who needs to be encouraged. But if you find yourself in that barren land, you've got to make a change.
Got to make a change. The Lord promises that if you will seek him, if you will pursue him with your whole heart, you will find him. He is not hiding. He's not hiding. But he does want to know that your heart is really pursuing him. Are you in it to find him, to grow from him, to let him come in and be a part of your life, to move and change and grow you, to cause that fruit to come off of the new branches and the, and the new growth? Or is your heart just looking for entertainment just for a show? The other thing that's interesting about the fig tree is they say for it to truly be fruitful and full, provide like the full shade, it has to be cultivated. It means that there's a gardener somewhere who looks at the tree and looks at the leaf and looks at the fruit, says, oh, this tree needs a little more of iron, I don't know. Needs a little more of this, or it needs a little more of that. Or this one's feeling stressed, I... I need to put a little more water on it. It's going through a dry season. But there is a gardener that tends to the tree. Much like you or I might go into a garden and tend to a tree, I believe the Lord looks at our lives, and if we will allow him, he will tend to the spiritual health and the natural health of our lives. But we have to be willing to allow him to bring things to us and to receive them. So I know if, if I asked someone who, if I asked any of you to come up and, and, and say, if you're not fully nurtured in the tree, if your thing's not fully grown, right, we should all be up here. Because we all, we all leave stuff kind of on the table, if you will, to borrow a term. And there's always more that we can pursue and more that we can go after with God. He is a God of abundance. what we were reading yesterday, that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask or think through us. So it's his desire that you become a fruitful, beautiful shade tree to those around you. So if you receive it today, just throw up your hand. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we put want to a thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.